0: Welcome to Grace Community. We're excited today to talk about Easter. And Easter is on our calendar every year. Have you ever wondered why? Have you ever wondered why we just don't celebrate it one time, one and done? Why is it still a yearly event on the calendar? Have you ever asked that question? Why is it in the world that we live in, do they still continue to celebrate Easter? And why has it been a tradition for over 2,000 years? What's so significant about Easter that it's, we dedicate a Sunday every year and say, this is Easter Sunday, let's come and celebrate it. Why can't we just read about it and say, you know what? There there was a time that Easter took place and then as other other big events in history, why do we take time to, and we would say, to, to, to take this moment and say, let's look at this every single year at this time. Why is it so important? What are the events of Easter that are significant? We have what we would call Good Friday, where Jesus died on the cross. And then we have this Saturday time. It's kind of that time that we would say, like, almost, but not yet. Almost, but not yet. It's that time when we, we don't even know what to do with Saturday. It's a time where Jesus was dead. He was he was in this tomb. In, in the early church, when when he was there, many thought he was done. And so there were these people who called themselves Christ followers, people of the way, the early followers of Jesus. Can you imagine? They knew and they had heard that the Old Testament talked about this prophecy that there would be this man that would come that would save the world and he would die on the cross and they had memorized scripture. But then it took place and in their minds they probably didn't picture The way it took place, the torturing, the the stripes, the the suffering, and he had to carry his cross and the blood, and and then it was so dark, and then there was an earthquake, and, and then their minds are thinking, Is he gonna make it? That early group, those early followers, that moment on Saturday when they were probably looking at each other and thinking, I'm not sure, are you sure? Because they don't have the New Testament like we have. Yeah, he made it, he made it. Just skip over resurrection. It wasn't there yet. And so it was that point in time, you talk about faith. They had Resurrections weren't something that took place every day. And yet they knew, or at least they thought they knew, they thought they believed, they thought they had enough faith to believe that on that third day that Jesus would somehow come out of the grave like if it just stops at good friday then it was just a good man that died and we know from scripture that he willingly died listen no one took jesus life he surrendered his life he humbled himself yet still what that saturday had to be they were on pins and needles like are you sure is he really going to come back in hour 1, in hour 2, in hour 3, in hour 4, in hour 10, and hour 20, in hour 23, they wondered, is he really the Messiah or are we following this farce? This man that was a good man. You see, if we stop at Good Friday and we don't make it to the resurrection, then it's just a good man that died on a cross. So why do we keep sharing this Easter story? Because if it's true that Jesus really raised himself from the dead and he walked out of the grave, listen to me, if it's really true, like the Bible says, if it's really, 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 really true, listen to me, then you and I got some hope beyond the grave. We have hope. But if it isn't, then we are to be pitied above all men. Jesus died for sins that he didn't commit. The Bible says the greatest act of love is for a man to lay down his life for someone. Well, that's just an act of love then. He just he died for a good cause and for people. If it really happened, then it's a game changer. So what do we do with Easter? How do we unpack this incredible event in history that we celebrate every year? Do we just stop at the cross? Why do people wear crosses it's as if like that's the most? Why don't we have tombstones that we carry? Because if it's just the cross and he wasn't resurrected, then it's just a man that died. The Bible has a lot to say about it, and it's so very important that you and I understand it. Grab your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 28. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. And if you don't own a Bible, this is a gift from Grace Community Church to you. It's the first book of the New Testament. Go to the center of your Bible, first book, Matthew, and turn to the last chapter, chapter 28. And we're going to read verses 11 to 15. Is it true that Jesus died on Friday, laid in the tomb, and on the third day, resurrected? Is it true? Is the Easter story really true? Or is it just a conspiracy theory that's out there? Well, let's just see what the Bible says. Stand with me, and we're going to read Matthew 28, 11 through 15. Matthew 28, 11 through 15. Would you read it with me out loud, please? Ready, read. And did as they were instructed. And the story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Just just hold on a second here. Stay stay standing. Why? Why did they pay off soldiers? Why, Why did they say, here, here, take this money, let me write you this check? Why did they need to pay off some soldiers? Why? Because when they went to the tomb, it was empty. And so they said this. What did they say? They fabricated a story. And this, this story has been circulating for 2,000 years. That said this. That his disciples came during the night and did what with this body? Stole it. So is that true? How do you know? Sit down and we're going to find out. Let's, start, let's start with resurrections. Like... People understand death. Like, you and I understand death. Like, most people in our world, but we don't understand resurrections. Seriously, think about that for a second. Like, we understand death. You and I do. We're fine. Like, if, it was, if Easter was just the cross, not a soul alive would have an issue. I mean, uh, no one would have an issue. Why? Because cross deaths were normal during Jesus' time. Thieves, robbers, murderers. They hung him on crosses. That wasn't a big deal. So if you had said, there was this man that died on the cross. Sure, I see that. It's recorded in history. Even Josephus and Philo, they recorded it. That Jesus died on I have mean, a problem. Most people in our world have no problem with Jesus dying on the cross. Like, that's not a big deal because people died on crosses and, and, and people died. So they wouldn't have any problem with that. So talking about Jesus is no big deal for people to believe. Death is Everywhere around us, our papers have obituaries in them. Wars have killings; they're shooting sprees in our cities. Funeral homes lay people to rest every day. You and I have stood at grave sites of loved ones. We even know that one day each one of us will die. It fits into our worldview, like you know and I know that we're not going to live forever. It's just, by the way, it's not going to happen. There will come a moment, unless the rapture occurs, the Bible tells us that you and I, would, we could die, I could die before this service is over. The Bible says that we're a vapor that appears for a little while and then we're gone. So death is no big deal. Sure, Jesus died on the cross. I get that. Good Friday? Yeah, there was a good man. He died. And so our world has no issue with death. So the fact that Jesus died is no problem for our world. But the world has enormous issues with Easter because they don't know what to do with the resurrection on the third day. You see, the world has a category for death. It's called a cemetery. It's called a hearse. It's called a Yoder Kulp wreath Wreath Funeral Home. It's called a death certificate. But we have no category for someone rising from the dead. We don't know what to do with that. Look, seriously, you don't need to raise your hand, but let me ask you a question. Where's the last resurrection that you were at? You might say the Cubs. It was pretty close. <laughs> but that's not a bodily resurrection. Yet how many of us have seen people die? How many of us have been to funerals? How many of us have stood at the coffin or the gravesite of a loved one and said, they're dead. There's no life in that body. We've even touched them and we've caressed them and, and, we, and we've kissed them and, and we, we've held them and, and we've cried over them. And, and all of us have experienced death. I laid my father to death five months ago. I saw my dad. I watched him live for 76 years, and I watched him die. I preached at his funeral. My dad was dead. I know what death is. I watched his coffin get lowered into a hole in the ground. I have no problem with understanding death. I watched a dear mom who had a six-month-old baby die, and a precious husband watched this six-month-old baby die And because of the technicalities of the world we live in, they couldn't see their child because there was reports done by authorities until the child was actually put in the casket. So two days later was the first time this couple got to see the six... They wouldn't even let them hold the baby. And I watched this mom... As I was standing with the husband, this casket this big, and this mom walked in and pulled this baby out of a casket, step, holding it and praying, God, please, please, God, help me. Wanting her child to breathe again. I watched the husband console, and and, and, and we watched this moment. The child was dead. There wasn't a resurrection. You see, we can can deal in our minds with death, but we don't know what to do with resurrections. So let me ask this question again. What difference does Easter make for you today? Or what difference would it make if Jesus didn't rise from the grave and walk out of the tomb on the third day? It's not a new question. Because these authorities, these chief priests knew that something happened that had never happened before. And they knew that they needed to come up with a conspiracy theory so that this report wouldn't be passed out and so that the prophecy that was spoken about hundreds of years before couldn't be brought back up and people would say, they said it was going to happen and it happened. Before I answer that question, think about this. If Jesus rose from the dead, you and I have to accept all that he said. If he didn't, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like Jesus' teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Like you could say, I don't like his teaching. It doesn't matter. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then his teaching doesn't matter. Before I answer that question, here's what I know to be true. That a miracle did take place 2,000 years ago. And that miracle still impacts you and me today. And I believe with all of my heart, by faith, that Jesus rose from the grave. And I believe that God raised him from the dead, and the tomb is empty, and you will not find any bones in that tomb. You see, here's what is very challenging for our world. To most people who don't understand Christians or people of the way or the convinced or born again or the saved, whatever terminology you want to use, it sounds crazy. We even sound like crazy. We don't even know how crazy it sounds. we were so conditioned to just believing it by faith. But every part of everyone else is like, that group of people, they actually believe that a man died, was brutally tortured, was stabbed, was spit on, hung on a cross, put a crown of thorns on him. There was this earthquake. He died. They put his body in a tomb and then they sealed it with Roman soldiers and they stood there and those crazy nuts really believe that Jesus walked out. You see, it it doesn't even sound crazy to us, but listen to me. It is crazy. It is. And the only way it could happen if, if a miracle occurred that a dead man comes back to life. I think as Christians, we sometimes just forget how nutty it really sounds to say that a man would die and somehow he could go to a cross and die for our sins. Like, how can a man die for everyone's sins? Like, how is that possible that the sins that you and I've committed, the exes in, this, this, in front of me, how is it possible that, that a man could take all those sins and all the sins that we ever commit, and then he would go to a cross? How is it possible that he could do that? And so that question continues to surface. Seriously. Think about resurrections. It sounds crazy that a man was resurrected. Where do you go to see that today? Like seriously, where do you go to, to prove to somebody, well, hold on, let me show you this resurrection. Where do you go? Where, where do you go? I mean, if you imagine going to a cemetery, say after church, I'm going to take, you're going to take your family. We're going to, it's Easter resurrection Sunday. Let's go to a cemetery. And so you're on the way to the cemetery. And so you, your family gets out and you pull them out and you just start standing by tombstones and you, if people come up to you and say, hey, what are you doing? I'm just waiting for resurrection. A what? A resurrection. I've never seen a hearse come into a cemetery, bury a person, and, and that person walk out. You see, it doesn't even compute with the worldview of those who don't have a salvific understanding of Jesus Christ. There are lots of people going to cemeteries, and hear me, no one's coming out alive. The odds aren't favorable that a man that was tortured, stabbed, hung on a cross, and dead for three days would ever be able to live again. So I want to paint a picture like Paul did. By the way, who's Paul? Paul is a man, and who wrote a big portion of the Bible that we have today in the New Testament? He wrote. These things, and we would understand as the Holy Spirit inspired him to write him as he wrote, and we have this Bible in our hand, and he wrote this book called First Corinthians. And he begins to share about what it would mean if the resurrection never occurred. And he says, if the resurrection never occurred and Jesus just died, then this happens, then this happens happens, then this is what it means. If, if Jesus just died and he wasn't resurrected and there was no resurrection, it's a game changer. So Paul writes in this, the Bible that we have in our hands and he begins to, to hypothesize. And he says, you know what? If the resurrection never occurred, then it would mean this. What would it mean? Well, turn to first Corinthians, turn to first Corinthians chapter 15, new Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, this is what it would mean if the resurrection never occurred. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 12. We're going to read verses 12 to 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 15. He says this, but if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been what? What's the word? Raise. And if Christ has not been what? What's the word? Raise. Our what is useless. And so is your what? More than that, we are found to be what kind of witnesses? False witnesses. About who? About God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. So Paul paints this picture. He says, if the resurrection didn't occur, here's what he's saying. Listen to me. This, this is, he said that my preaching and everyone's faith would be useless. Now, here's what that means. We might as well just, just get, get Wikipedia out today. Let's read about Good Friday. You know what Wikipedia is? It's just someone's interpretation, and, and it, we don't even know if it's true. And, or, but let's just put on CNN News and let them talk about Easter. Because if, th- if this isn't true, if, if the resurrection didn't occur, then why preach? Then 20 years of laboring here at Grace Community Church would be useless. 20 years of, of, of studying and, and, and trying to discern what the Spirit was saying. 20 years of, of you coming forward and, and people trusting. In, 20 years of, of reaching out in the community. 20 years of, of, of laboring over God's Word and, and watching transform. Life. And it would be useless because it's just a farce. That's not really life transformation. Just, 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 just play a video. Read, read National Geographic. Just, just, just open the Goshen News and hey, let's let's come and have a TED talk. Pause and think about that for a second. Everything we believe about our Savior, our King Jesus, is built on the truth that He did die for our sins and was resurrected on Easter Sunday. Then, if that isn't true, then my preaching is useless. What's useless? Without content. It would mean that all we have learned here has come to nothing. I've been the pastor of Grace Community Church for 20 years, 21 years in June. And by God's grace and only by his grace, I have four years college degree at Grace College, a Bachelor of Arts. And when I was at Grace College, I was a Bible major. I was Greek and Hebrew minor. I studied God's Word. I then advanced on by God's grace with my family in tow and my wife in tow, and together I went for a three-year, 92-hour degree, master's degree, a master of divinity, studying about God, studying about God's Word. I've studied halfway towards a doctorate, God's Word, understanding the local church. And on top of that, by God's grace and only by His grace, I have been a Christian for 50 years. And Paul is saying this. Jim, all those sermons and all those altar calls and all those teachings and all those commitments would be useless if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Just shut the door of every church. Like, why do we keep celebrating Easter? Like, what's the sense of reaching 150,000 people on Elkhart if if it's just a farce? If, If, like, we're crazy nuts to somehow believe that a man could actually die be placed in a tomb, carry the weight of the world of sin, could actually, on the third day, come back to life and overcome death and defeat the enemy and disarm the enemy and be victoriously walk out of the grave. It it is a farce. Or is it the truth? Paul is saying here that no amount of education or years of believing by faith for you or for me can compensate if at the heart of what you and I believe, there's a gigantic falsehood. You and I could could tell others. You and I could lead small groups. You and I could teach the children and the youth and the adults. You and I could have a Bible study, a men's study, a woman's study. You and I could preach until we pass out doing, and we could build the largest ministry in the world, we could, we could, we could, we could build 50 orphanages and tell people about Jesus, and it wouldn't matter if the resurrection never occurred. It would just be a good man dying on a cross because he loved people. Then he says this. If he really didn't die, look at verse 17. He says this. And if Christ has not been raised. Your faith is what? And you are still in your what? Oh man, imagine that. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, there would be no forgiveness of sin. Your faith would be futile. It produces no results. It is a promise with no fulfillment. It's a story with no end. It's a dream that never comes true. It's a game with no winners. If Jesus remained in the tomb, then God would have never accepted the sacrifice for our sins, and we would be doomed to hell forever. You see, here's what we know. There's the only way, the only way that we can get to God, the only way, we can get to God, is if someone who is perfect takes the sin of the world and dies for us. There needs to be something perfect that stands in the gap between our sin and God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by whom? Me. Jesus is the me. He's perfect. And so if he really didn't, just die on the cross, and he really didn't, wasn't resurrected and overcame death, then listen, we are hopeless. We are riddled with guilt. We are riddled with condemnation. We are riddled with sin. We don't have grace. We are doomed to hell. We are hopeless. We are depressed. We are losers. We are lost. We have no hope. But if he was raised from the dead, we of all, people have hope that we can make it because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection that overcame death. And when Jesus said it was finished, and John, what did that mean? If he didn't rise from the dead, then Jesus is finished. The story is over, and we are still in our sins. If he just said, it's finished, I'm dead. If he's just saying, I'm done, or did it have a a, a more, more, more deeper meaning, it is finished. Is that him saying, I'm dead, or is he saying, listen, I have finished proclaimed. I have fulfilled this prophecy that said a man needs to come. He needs to be perfect in every way. He needs to take the sin of the world and become the living sacrifice. Is that what that means? Seriously, imagine for one minute, and I did this week, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then death on the cross was nothing more than a good man dying for a good reason and we would have no forgiveness of sins. I just, I, I don't think we could make it very long because the weight and the burden and the guilt of every sin that we've ever committed, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's a daily thing that we do. And then the Bible says that Jesus... When we do that, he chooses not to remember our sins anymore. We we remember, and we keep bringing them up. The enemy keeps trying to repeat. He keeps saying, remember that? Remember when you did that? Remember that? Oh, yeah, that, 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 that. And God's saying, I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember. Imagine if he did. And he kept track of everything that we did. See, if he didn't overcome death... And there's no hope for mankind to be forgiven of their sin. The crux of Christianity, we can't save ourselves. <laughs> and we would be never forgiven. I just, I can't imagine. There's so many times I go before the Lord in repentance and say, God, I am so sorry. God, here I am again. And I keep coming back and I, and I have to remind myself, Lord, here I am again with the saint. He's like, What? I chose not to remember. Was it? This must be your first time. What are you talking about before? Yeah, 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 yeah. Lord, I'm sorry. It's the 10th time I did it. And he's like, no, it's the first time. I chose not to remember the other nine. But can you imagine that, that there wasn't that moment where he forgave us of our sins? And it's the picture he wants us to have for one another. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, moms to kids, dads to Kids. Kids to parents. It's like somehow if we forgive just like he forgave, imagine what would happen in relationships. So he says if the resurrection didn't occur, then there would be no forgiveness of sins. And then he says this. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says this. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Then there's no life after death. Those that have fallen asleep, Falling asleep is the Greek word. It's really interesting. I don't bring it out much, but this is interesting. The word, the terminology falling asleep in the Greek is koimateria, from where we get the English word cemetery. So he's saying it means sleeping place. That's where Christians bury their dead. And that's why they did say it that way. Because when you go to sleep, you expect to wake up eventually, he's saying. You've fallen asleep. He's saying, eventually you're going to wake up. I mean, go to any any believer's funeral. You'll see the body. Here's what we know from Scripture. The body gets buried in the ground. And as the body is buried, the soul leaves and goes to Jesus. And the Bible tells us that when the rapture occurs, that all the bodies of those that have been sleeping, they come out of the grave and they meet the soul in heaven. And so there's this picture. He said they've fallen asleep. And if the Resurrection didn't occur, then no one's falling asleep. They're not coming out of the grave. You see, we believe at funerals that the soul is at heaven and the body will join it again one day. So Paul is saying, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then death wins and there's not life after death and there's no hope beyond the grave. One of the greatest promises we have at the passing of our loved ones is to know that we'll see him again. It's close to my heart because my father passed away recently. And here's what I know. I'll see my dad again. Why? Not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did. He died for sins. My dad received the free gift of Jesus Christ. He accepted it. And because Jesus overcame death and was raised on that third day, he wins and he gives hope beyond the grave. And there will be a day that I will see my dad again because he trusted in Jesus Christ. So Paul goes on. If the resurrection didn't occur, then this is true. Look at verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be what? Then serving Jesus is without purpose. If Jesus is still in the tomb, then we have no foundation for our faith. And we are nothing more than a bunch of self-deluded fools. Here's what it means. It means this. Then our prayers to God are never answered. It means that we're not saved. Then we might as well shut the doors of Grace Community Church and read a good self-help book and, and listen to TED Talks the rest of the week. We might as well just live it up and not be worried about how we live. We might as well not even be concerned with obedience. And every Christian church for 2,000 years has wasted their time serving him. We are literally to be most pitied if the resurrection didn't occur. But he doesn't stop there. Here's the good news. Look at verse 20. Look what he says. He throws in his conjunction. And it's a but. And it's a really good but. But Christ has indeed been what? What's the word? From what? The dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What it means is this. We will be offered to the Lord. And that day... Of celebration. It means this that one day our children, my children, Ann and I's children will be with me because they have a relationship with Jesus. Not one of them will be left in the grave. That gr- the grave is not the end of our lives as Christians. What does it mean since the Easter story is true? It means the death on the cross was not the end of it. Jesus was buried and was resurrected on the third day. That's good news for us today, Grace Community. That's good news for you out there that are wondering, can I make it? When I put my head on the pillow at night and and I die, is there hope? Can can I trust in something that when I wake up, I'll be in the presence of God? Can, Can I spend my eternity in heaven? Can I have a God that will walk with me on earth? Is there hope in this world? And the answer, Paul is saying, you bet there is. And his name is Jesus Christ. So what's it mean? It means that my preaching is true and your faith is real. It means that this book is real. It's flawless. It's inerrant. It doesn't have mistakes. It is the living word of God and you can bank your life on the words of in this book. That's what it means. It means that we do have forgiveness of sins as Christians. We don't have to have any condemnation to those who are in Christ. That we have grace flowing through our veins. That God says, I've covered that. I've died for that. I've forgiven you. Move on. It means the old is behind and the new is to come. It means that there is life after death for Christians in heaven. And they don't expend their eternities in hell. It means that by when the Bible says it's destined for man to die once and face judgment, the judgment we face is standing before our God and we get judged for the good things that we've done for him, not for the sinful things. And he, he ushers us right into heaven. That's what it means. It means the way we live does matter and there's great purpose that the church can be the hope of the world, that we can be a, a global enterprise that reaches orphans in Asia in Nigeria, and Nigeria and Dominican Republic and all over the world, that, that we, we have the good news, that, that the message we give, that there is a great physician. His name is Jesus and he can heal your soul of its problems. It means that we could keep our doors open, should keep them open, and we should invite people in because Jesus is who he said he was and he is who he says he is. And you can take God's word to heart. It means this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It means that God does transform lives. It means I've watched it up close. My story is unique, as yours is. I come from a divorced family. When I was four and a half, my mom and my father were unsaved. My family was unsaved. My three sisters were unsaved. My dad is a good man and was a good man, and he passed away knowing Jesus. But there was a time he didn't know Jesus. Jesus. And it made for a difficult marriage for my parents. And so they divorced. I watched my dad leave. It broke my heart. I couldn't stand the separation that was taking place. Fast forward, my mom met a man who became my stepfather. She married him. My folks married, unsaved. And a knock came at the door... Because there was this group of people at this church that put my mom's name on a prayer journal for Wednesday night prayer encounter that said, pray for Beverly Brown and her kids, Jimmy, Joni, Jamie, and Kimmy. She's a single mom. And this dear brother came and knocked on the door and told my mom about Jesus Christ. My mom remembered that. My mom and my stepfather now got married, and we found ourselves in this church. This man led my mom to Christ, led my stepfather to Christ, and I'm seated in this Sunday school classroom as a five-year-old boy. And a sweet lady by the name of Mabel Huff, 70 years old, looked at me across this musty Sunday school classroom, and it was moldy and smelly, and there was flannel graph, and And she said these words I'll never forget. She said, Jimmy Brown, I know a father that will never leave you nor forsake you. To a young impressionable boy who was longing to have a father speak into his life, it gained my attention. She said the way to that father is through Jesus Christ. And if you trust in Jesus, he's the way to the father God and he'll never leave you. And you know what? I believed her. And as a five-year-old boy, as best as I could understand at that moment, I asked Jesus to be the Lord and leader of my life. And you know what? He's been with me for 50 years. We began praying for my father, my siblings. He's a good man. My dad's a good man. He loved us dearly. Pray for salvation, and for 13 years, we prayed for my father to come to Christ. There came a day, 13 years later, my dad trusted in Jesus Christ. Unbelievable transformation. He went from living this lifestyle to living this lifestyle. So we asked dad, dad, why did you finally trust in Jesus Christ? He looked at us and he said this. He said, I have watched you guys live for Jesus I have seen what he's done for you, and I wanted what you had. I watched my father trust in Jesus Christ. So I have a stepfather and a father that both love Jesus. I enrolled in college as a college freshman, studying biblical studies. I had one semester under my belt. I took one Bible class and thought I knew way more than I should have. So I came home to visit my dad. He was living in an apartment by himself, and... I had one Bible class. I had so much pride in my life, and I've repented of it. I've had to repent of pride numerous times in my life. I went to visit my dad. I was excited. He was excited. His son was in Bible college studying to be a preacher. My dad was recently saved, and there was a knock at the door. And when he came to the door, it was a pastor from the Kingdom Hall of Jehovah Witnesses. We said, come on in. And I was like... and that's what it became i chaptered in verse 10, john chapter 10 i chaptered in verse him john chapter 1 the word became flesh he chaptered in verse me we were going back and forth nowhere just full of pride thinking that somehow i could convince him when god does the saving and my father gently said this he said jimmy can i say something i'll never forget this it's one of the best memories i have of my dad he said sir I'm not as smart as my son. In fact, I only went to 11th grade. I got married because his mom was pregnant. He says, I don't understand Greek. In fact, I didn't know there were 66 books in the Bible. He said, but a few months ago, I trusted in Jesus Christ. And everything changed in my life. And he said, I used to be this man, and now I'm this man. And, and he looked at this man and he said, That's what Jesus can do for you. <laughs> this man left, but before he left, he was ready to exit, my dad said, Sir, and I want to thank you for coming today. He says, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you meet the Jesus that I met. Because when you do, he'll change your life forever. I was so broken and humbled by my dad's simple response. Why do I tell you that? Because Jesus does change lives. And the only way I saw that is because I know that he changed my dad's life. And the only way that is possible is if Jesus overcame death. All across this room here are sins, symbolically X's, that represent death. And the Bible says if we... We don't trust in Jesus that we'll go to a place called hell. Hell, Matthew 25:41 is everlasting fire. Hebrews 10:27 said hell is a raging fire. Mark 9:43 says it's an unquenchable fire. Revelation 19.20 says hell is a place where it's called a lake of fire. Matthew 8.12 says it's utter darkness. Matthew 8.12 says it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation 9.2 says it's a pit filled with smoke. Mark 9.48 says where worms do not die. Revelation 14.10 says there's no rest day and night. But listen to me. Jesus came for our sins. One sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 says, For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One sin separates us. And let's face it, we all have sins. And you will never have a relationship with God the Father unless you accept the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And listen to me. There is nothing that you've done or you're doing that can keep you from trusting in Jesus Christ. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to get better before you trust in Christ. You could be living in the armpit of pornography. You could be living in the armpit of fraud. You could be living in the armpit of gossip. You could be living in the armpit of infidelity. You could be living in the armpit of sin. But the Bible says, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for, he died in the midst of our sin. He didn't say get cleaned up and then I'll save you. That's what the cross represents. Let me show you what I mean by that. All across the platform here today are are symbolic marks of sin. One sin causes us to fall short. Let's face it, we have tons of sins in our lives. Every sin Causes us to fall short. But Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can get to the Father except through him. And if we accept the free gift, we don't earn it. We accept it. It gets us to the Father and we have a personal relationship with him. So Jesus is saying this. Whatever that sin is, just give it to me. That's why I went to the cross. I went to the cross to take your sin. Your present sin. You're the sin that separates you from God. I've died for that. I died for the sin that you're going to commit tomorrow. I died for the sins that you've already committed. And he said, just, just bring them to the cross. Just keep bringing them. I've already died for them. Just keep bringing them. That's what the cross represents. He says, I've taken the weight of the world, every sin that will ever be committed, and every sin that presently is committed. Even the ones that you are presently committing. He says, I've taken them to the cross. And I've died for them. That's what Good Friday is. Someone had to come. And someone had to die for our, for our sins. And that's what Good Friday is. Jesus says, I came to take your sins to the cross. That's why I came. And so there's this picture in scripture. That's what Good Friday. He took. All the sins of the world. And he took them to the cross. Your sins, my sins. There is this gift called eternal life. But not only did he take it to the cross and die for them, he had to overcome death. And the resurrection is the part that says, you know what? Not only did I die, but I overcame death. If he didn't overcome death, then he's just a good man that's dead. And the only way that we get to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Jesus is the bridge that closes the gap. So let me ask you a question today. I don't know where you're at, but here's what I do know to be true. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, if you don't have a moment in time, listen to me, the Bible says you end up one or two places, heaven or hell. You're either hopeless or you have hope. When you go to bed at night and put your head on the pillow, you can sleep peacefully or you can sleep in despair. And you don't have to clean yourself. Jesus already took your sins to the cross. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Please don't leave right now. Like, like hold, on, hold off on the ham. This is too important. This decision right here is a game changer. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your preacher, your doctor, they can't do this for you. And if I could, I'd wave a magic wand all over you and say, trust in Jesus. If I could literally open up your heart and place Jesus in there, I would do it, but I can't. It must be personal. Romans 9 or 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. So let me ask you a question. Have you truly trusted in Jesus? Today could be the day. Don't leave this room unless you know that you know that you've trusted in Jesus. Listen, you can never do enough good to get there. The only way to God is through a perfect sacrifice, and that's already been taken care of. And the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith and not works. You can never earn your way there. It's a free gift. This is the day of salvation today. So please, if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, I want you to do something. If you're uncertain, listen, don't leave this place uncertain. It's not something like, I I think I am. I'm kind of. I kind kind of remember. My mom told me. My dad told me. No, 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 no. You need to remember. Would you pray with me? If you're uncertain and you want to trust in Christ. Quietly just pray. That's what confession is. Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. (laughs) Please forgive me of my sin. I trust in the work of the cross And I believe you were raised from the dead. And I will walk with you, Jesus. I give my life to you. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I'm your child forever. In Jesus' name, amen.